This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to Rule of Two. We're here with Mark and of course, Sam Whitwer. Sam, how's it going? Thanks for being on the show today. It's going all right. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped, man. Thank you very much for uh, coming out to the studio. You know, we... uh, we um, we're needless to say we're very excited to have you here. You know we're all we're all big fans. Um, Thank you. From from uh, you know for me I actually have you know been watching your work because I used to work on Dexter way 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 back <laughs> in the day. So wow. you know I I remember you from you know your private collection and your camper oh, and all that stuff. You yeah, know <laughs> so yeah. so that was eye opening. Yeah. So yeah. so look we're we're here also. Um, you know, to talk about uh, Sam's uh, new show, the DC Universe uh, All-Star Games, which is very cool, man. I've been looking into this stuff and uh, being an RPG guy myself, um, I, I sort of love the approach that you're taking to it of kind of really uh, taking what RPGs are really about, at least for me, which is like a platform for creativity. Right. You know, it's like yeah. setting up the sandbox, right? Like, you know, when I was in the video game world, like we used to call it sandbox game you know, design because right. you know there's like systemic storytelling. You have you have a boundary, and then you're allowed to play in that world, and and that's kind of the basic setup, right? You guys are taking the DC heroes uh, fundamental platform, which is a RPG from the '80s for all of those guys that don't know, and you're sort of modifying the rules a little bit, creating your own characters. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the idea. I mean, uh, we had compliments of John Lee Brody. We had a sealed box set from the '80s, so. You know, it's a nice excuse to unbox that and learn the rules and play it. I mean, it, I, I was vaguely aware of the RPG when I was growing up, so it was a real pleasure to dig in and mm. check it out. Cool, yeah. I um I was a little bit more partial to, like, the West End... Uh, Me too. You know, uh, Star Wars RPG. Oh, yeah. Did you ever play that one? All the time. That's It's a very fundamental piece of my own Star Wars fandom. Yeah. So. Theory, did you ever play that one? No, I didn't actually. So first of all, you should totally check it out because the West End Star Wars RPG game is where a lot of the expanded universe lore comes where from. Where it comes from, yeah, yeah. It was the first time anyone had been putting together and codifying that stuff. That was a uh, you know like 
everyone talks about Timothy Zahn and Heir to the Empire being the beginning of that. Well, Timothy Zahn, these were his reference books. This is so mm-hmm. much of what were in his books were from the RPG books. Yeah, so. yeah, like holocrons and, and like a lot of the planets and like a lot of the Sith code and all, all the stuff actually comes from that West End Star Wars uh, RPG game. Um, which was something that, like, me and my friends used to play it all the time, but we didn't really understand how to play it. We didn't have the multi-sided dice, you know? And I believe DC Heroes works with two ten-sided dice, Two ten. The West End Games works with six-sided dice. That was Uh, a six-sided Oh, okay, so we... So you really got it wrong. (laughs) Yeah, we really got it wrong. Yeah, yeah, the DC Heroes uses two tens. And and so so tell me a little bit about how this show sort of came to be and, and how you... Um, I know Freddie Prince Jr., who's who's also you know huge with us Star Wars fans. Um, he's the executive producer of the show. Yeah. So 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 how did it all sort of come about? Well, I, I, honestly, I think it's just it's just uh, me and Freddie and John coming up with excuses to play games with each other. <laughs> That's basically it. Hey, want to play this game? Sure. Is there any reason why we shouldn't do it on camera? No. Let's 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 do it. So that's that's kind of the thinking. So so pretty much that's the phone call you get. It's like, hey, you know, like let's play a game. But since right. you know we're in the business, let's let's roll some cameras and it's, and bring some fun people on board. Essentially it, yeah. And uh, I dare say the people that we have playing with us are a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Really really fun people. And the show's available on the DC Universe streaming platform, mm-hmm. okay? There's five episodes that you guys have right. made. There's two of them have already aired, yes, yes. you know, as a recording of this show. Um, I, myself, have not seen it yet, but yeah. I, I am... I, I haven't seen it yet either, so oh, okay. <laughs> I don't have the courage to watch it. Uh, I will eventually, but um, the fun of it was... Because when he, when he brought up the idea and said, hey, let's play this old 80s DC RPG... Um, when I started looking through it, um, everything that they describe in the game is uh, very 80s-centric because it was made in the 80s. Like when they describe Batman's utility belt, they're like, you know, he has a microfilm camera and it can take like <laughs> a lot of pictures and then it can, and it's small and portable. And then he's also got a micro cassette recorder. He pops these little cassettes in and he can record and like right. spy analog. on people. <laughs> yeah. And so, I'm, you know, I'm looking at my cell phone and going like, I've, I've shown up Batman from the 80s. Like I'm, I'm a better, I've, I'm a more equipped Batman than Batman was in the 80s. So I said to Freddie, I'm like, look, everything in this book, the equipment, the characters, the style, it's all 80s. So this has got to take place in the 80s. Mm. And he's like, yeah, that's cool. What are you thinking? To which I said, well, I'm not going to tell you what I'm thinking because you're a player. So I'm going, to, I'm going to take this and run with it. And I came up with the idea of bringing us all back to the um, to, to when this may have been happening. You know, the 80s, John Hughes, for example, was a huge uh, influence on everyone in the 80s. Mm. And, and so even if you weren't in high school in the 80s, you, you understand kind of what that is because of his movies. And so I kind of created an 80s mashup world where everything from, I don't know, there, there's sort of cr- flavors of Karate Kid and Say Anything and John Hughes movies. And it's all, it's just this, basically this 80s world fused with the DC world. And, um, and the, the actual show is about these teenagers that are locked in detention on Saturday, mm. if that makes any sense. Well, I mean, it makes so, sense using the reference, yeah. Yeah, totally. So, so we find out what, what that's all about and what, what's been going on. But there's, you know, it starts very simple and very small scale. And then, um, and then once the story gets rolling, you see that it's uh, 
there's some crazy, crazy stuff going on. But uh, yeah, so I, the the sort of thematically, I think the reason uh, I decided I wanted to do that is that you know back in the '80s, if you played role playing games, I mean, you were a dork. You know, you were a geek. It's not something that I advertised to people. Right. You know, when I was going to high school, and uh, things have changed now. Yeah, people are now. It's awesome to be a dork. It's cool to be a dork. Thank God. But um, but back then it wasn't, and so it was fun to to kind of create a, a high school clique and all kinds of weird high school social dynamics. You know, very Breakfast Club to start the game out in, and those are those are our player characters as these kids in high school. And so. Um do these kids uh, uncover superpowers that then they start using and rolling against, or is it... Well, sort of, kind of. There's, there's. I will just say that things are not as they seem in the beginning. There's a lot of, uh, there's some reveal that goes on through the story, so... That's cool. I approached it the way I would like. If, if I were to write my dream DC animated feature, that's kind of how I approach the writing. Oh, of that's it. cool. So, so it's there's definitely fun to be had, um, but it's not exactly like you're thinking. So, um, do you have experience doing GMing? Yeah, yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it, yeah. huh? Yeah. Uh, did you ever GM uh, the Star Wars game? Tons. Tons. For many, many years, and even recently, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's it's basically where I got my um, basis and the knowledge of the. I mean, if it weren't for the West End role playing game, uh, I don't get to play. Darth Maul or Starkiller or any of that stuff because wow. it was, it was for example, my introduction to Lucasfilm was was The Force Unleashed, and so when I auditioned for them, what won me the role is that I knew the stuff, mm. I was aware, and it wasn't so much about naming a droid and saying, oh, that's a that's a gonk droid, or you know, it was more um, there was an one of the scenes Starkiller is meditating <clears throat> and assembling and disassembling his lightsaber with the Force. And when I did the scene, I was really tense when I was doing the meditation. So I was like really like white knuckling it and tense. And at some point, the director, who's the writer, was like, why are you doing it like that? He's meditating. Why are you so tense? And I said, I'm, do, do they teach meditation in Sith class? No. He has no idea what meditation is. He's, he has a vague understanding, but it's wrong. You know, he's a Sith. He was not trained that way. Vader wouldn't have trained him to find peace. So here's him trying to find peace and failing miserably and forcing the lightsaber parts together. And at that point, I was told that I had the part. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't in that moment, but I was told later, they're like, that was the moment that we all knew you were going to play the role because you, you, you brought an understanding of the world to it. So. Yeah, and like out of all the video games, um, you know, Kyle Katarn, I think you yeah. can throw you can throw in that vein as well. But um, I played. I remember before going off to shoot Force Unleashed, I uh, I replayed Jedi Knight, the original, the, the second game in the Dark Forces series. Yeah, yeah. Just to kind of get into that mindset. Yeah, Jedi Knight, uh, Jedi Knight Outcast, and Jedi Academy mm -hmm. are like. Oh, yeah. Dude, JK too. I I played that game nonstop when I was a kid, and I'd always use those. The, the cheat codes and and yeah. <laughs> so you could have the, the dismemberment on there. So it was such a especially online. Was Jedi the best game. Outcast uh, was I believe um, Vanessa Marshall, who's also in the DC game, oh. who plays Hera in Star Wars yeah. Rebels. Uh, that was her introduction to Star Wars because she played Jan Ors. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you her she's your pilot and it's, it's yeah, Vanessa. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh my god, I'm with Hera. This is cool. Yeah, yeah. Jedi Jedi Outcast. Uh, so so I used to work at Rockstar Games back in the old days. Oh yeah. And, and um, 
we would, you know, wait until the managers left. And the second the managers left, Jedi Outcast came on. <laughs> and we were just, it was made by a company called Raven Software yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, in, uh, in Wisconsin. And uh, Raven was in, was in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Raven was wow. in Wisconsin. Why, are you from Wisconsin? No, I'm from Illinois. But, uh, but I mean, look, the entire hobby of role-playing games is from Wisconsin. Oh, Lake really? Geneva, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's where Gary Gygax. Yeah, yeah. Raven is from Madison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I believe they're no longer around as mm -hmm. Raven. Don't don't quote me on that. I'm not 100 percent sure, but they're definitely a Raven. Mm -hmm. Raven was definitely a Madison based. Uh, That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, game know. developer. I remember and, Heretic and Hexen from Raven. Right, which way uh, back, which they worked with with a company called Human Head. Oh, yeah, <laughs> which 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 I collaborated with as right. well. Yeah, I, I and like that game to this day, I. I think it's the best lightsaber combat game. It's cool in a in a video game. I I, I really did like um, um, the one that Fallen just Order. came out. Uh, yeah, Fallen Order. I think mm -hmm. had really yeah. good you know lightsaber combat. It but did. but Jedi Outcast focused it a lot more on the sort of player versus player aspect of the Jedi combat, which right. I think is like that's the holy grail that all those sort of gamers want is the ability to like you know, role play and bow and do all the precursor stuff to like the sure. big lightsaber fight. But one thing I liked about JK two is that you can change your lightsaber, um, the, the weight of the blade, the, the thickness of the blade. You remember, you, remember oh, you could have right. like blue, yeah. yellow, and red it and it would really get heavier. Yeah. And then you can really just like swing. <clears throat> well, yeah, like, like, cool. like you can have like the Ralph McQuarrie, like super thin blade. And no, no, no. So, that. so like, like if you're playing online multiplayer or something, you can change, you can make your blade movement faster, but it would be a weaker blade. There was like a, a light method, medium method, and then like the heavy yeah. method, where it was this big this oh, baseball bat swinging yeah, 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 yeah. type style. Yeah. So, so um, do you guys plan on on doing um, this show beyond the five episodes? Is it too early to talk about that? Or hard to say. I mean, we we might, we might not. We'll find out. But uh, <laughs> it really, I guess I think it depends on if, if you know if the fans are like, hey, this would be really fun to continue. I'm sure that we would be happy to do so. Yeah, um, that's cool. But it's uh, yeah, I, I dare say I think it went really well. Uh, the story unfolded in a really satisfying way. And part of the fun of it is learning what what's the deal with these kids, what is the deal with them. That's part of the fun. And in every episode, you kind of get a little bit more information about that. And and how much of that sort of um, you know exposition and evolution of the characters is coming from you versus coming from the role players themselves making <laughs> their choices? Well, the thing with role playing games, if if for for anyone that's listening to this that hasn't um, played, is that uh, I'm. I'm like the writer, I'm the director, I'm also the entire supporting cast, mm. and I'm the narrator, but I'm not the protagonist. The protagonists are the players, so they can do whatever it is that they want to do, which means that sometimes you go off the rails in really kind of fun and wonderful, dramatic ways. So that's the fun of it. That's the game part. Is like, I think I know how the story should go, uh, but they're going to do their own thing. They're going to do their own thing, and it, they definitely surprised the hell out of me. It was fun. So, so there's some big surprises oh, in the yeah. story. Like if you oh, watch and invest. There are moments where I'm so uncomfortable with what's happening that I'm sweating. And I even <laughs> call it, I'm like, guys, this is, I'm sweating. This is really uncomfortable. Why are you doing this? But yeah. of course, they are playing to the best of their ability. They're really, really fun. Freddie's character in particular, um, Freddie had a moral of the story moment, mm. which I was, I hoped beyond hope that someone would get there. And he did. And it was in the in the last episode. He has a one to grow on moral of the story 
the theme comes full circle, I was very proud. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is this is good. That's cool, man. That sounds really interesting. Like, it's like you have a narrative structure in your head, <clears throat> and then you're dealing with a bunch of talented folks, and then they're trying to find their own way in that story. It's like the more I talk to you about it, the more you know, because because it is part of the DC uh, 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 premium service, right? Yeah, so I yeah. believe it's seventy nine seven ninety nine a month. I don't know. I just know that it's canon because it's part of the premium service. Yeah. So it's DC canon. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so this I, is this is official. This is the new. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Like if you want to know what's going on with the Batman uh, movie, check out, check out, check DC. out. <laughs> yeah. Breakfast check League. Out yeah. So, uh, a theory. You have any? Uh, you want to throw some some stuff out here? I'd like, uh, like I feel bad. At, you know, I got him here physically. You're you're all the way where you are. No, man, it's all good. I, just, I listen to you guys talk, and whenever I have something to say, I'll say it. It's all right. All, so, 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 look. I know Sam's got a background in uh, DC as well, and you're on Smallville. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. Uh, Supergirl. So I guess I've done a few yeah. DC th- things. Yeah. 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 What What I want to hear about, if it's okay to talk about, is that you guys have actually met before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, randomly. Yeah. yeah, you want to talk yeah. a little bit about that theory? Yeah, no, it was it was really cool. Um, uh, we were at the airport in Vancouver, and I was heading to L.A., and I see this dude, and I'm like, no, I can't be. And then I'm like, no, it's, it's sure enough it is. I'm like, I wonder where he's sitting. I wonder if I can like get a picture with him or something. Sure <laughs> enough, he's sitting right in front of me, and uh, I'm like, hey, man, are you Sam Witwer? And he turns around, and he's like, yeah. And uh, I was like, I didn't know what to say. I was just, I was just starstruck. I was just like, dude, that's so <laughs> cool. And he's like, yeah, I didn't really say anything. He's like, are you gonna watch Solo? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm watching. I'm gonna watch it right now. So we, we, we uh, watched Solo without actually watching it together. And he was watching it on his <laughs> iPad, and I was watching it. And then the lady next to me is like, so uh, who, who is that? I'm like, oh man, I'm like, are you kidding? He's Star Killer. He's Galen Merrick. He's, he's Darth Maul. Like, and she's like, oh, okay. Very meaningful to her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She didn't really understand, but I, was, I understood. It was all good. <clears throat> Um, yeah, that was so, cool. So, you know, one thing that um, that I'm obsessed with, and all the listeners know I'm obsessed with it, and one day I saw that you had posted about it, so I was like, I felt like there was like a kindred connection there, is that I'm a huge uh, Star Wars Galaxies, you know, oh. guy, you know, and, oh. and in the early days of the whole EMU stuff, I actually funded uh, one of the big, uh, um, you know, like... Uh, um, sort of uh, servers called Bloodfin, yeah. Which, which at the time we had almost like 700 concurrence. You know, mm-hmm. we were actually doing really, really well. And we, and it was like a pre-CU like you know emulator, but we were bringing in a lot of stuff from the NGE and like sort of changing things up and building new, uh, you know, building new dungeons and stuff like that. And like, I literally uh, didn't work for like six months <laughs> because like I, I, for me, my yeah. life was so ripped apart. Like in 2005, November 15th, 2005, I'll like, you know, I'll never forget it. Was that when it launched? That was when they killed the CU. Oh, no. And brought in the NGE. The NGE. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. You know, and cool. um, so. That was you, tough. Yeah. Yeah. It was very tough. But, but, but I know that you still play a little bit. Do you play on the official EMU server? SWGEMU. I'll pop in there every now and then um, to relive the good times. I mean, the. You know what was so funny about that is that, you know, no one was going to beat Warcraft. Right. But I just wish they hadn't even tried. Right. Because that's what the NGE was. The NGE was uh, was an attempt to make Star Wars Galaxies a little bit more like Warcraft. And one of the things was Jedi was a starting class. I know. I and know. ironically, when you add that many Jedi into a Star Wars game that's set in the Empire era... 
it suddenly doesn't feel like Star Wars anymore. Mm. Like it felt like Star Wars before that. It I mean, really did. and I remember reading interviews with uh, with certain um, execs or something like that. They would say stuff like, like, like the John Smedleys and the who, SOE guys, whomever it was, and they would say stuff <laughs> like, you know, hey, no one signs up to play a video game that's an Uncle Owen simulator. Right. And the thing was, you're like, oh no, 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 plenty yeah. of people <laughs> love that. Like yeah. I, I love just going out in the desert on Tatooine and being like. I heard there's a guy out here who has a shop who makes a really cool, awesome component for my Starfighter. And he said, they say that he makes the best capacitors or something like that. And so you would drive out in the desert looking for someone's shop. You'd find it and then be try to make a relationship with the, the shop owner, who's another player who created a shop. That's what he wanted to do for the game. That's he all he does. He didn't want to go off and fight, you know, Gorath's on, you know, Endor or whatever the, the, the big giant thing yeah i mean hell there were planets i never even visited but right. but everyone had their priorities and there were some people who just loved to be a musician or a dancer in a cantina and so the social aspect of that game was amazing right and you had to go to the um to the entertainers and the doctors to heal to heal to get buffed. you would sort of get post-traumatic stress from all the combat so you would have to go and heal that fatigue yeah in a cantina it forced you to be social but it was amazing like people were actually social and for the most part civil like so really cool, really nice people. So when you played SWG, um, did you unlock Jedi back no, in the old days? No, I had a, I had a couple friends that did, but no. yeah, I I didn't even want to. I was yeah. like, I'm happy to be. I had kind of like a, I had kind of like a Han Solo ripoff. I called him John Solo, like <laughs> you know, it's like the, I don't know, the cheap discount. I've been knockout. trying to get Theory to play with me SWG for how long? Yeah, and like for and like now a, and then he told me now. like not too long ago that he thought I was talking about. The mobile game. That's why I just blew it off. I was like, no, dude, I don't want to. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll play it. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so right now for anybody, and I've talked about this ad nausea, but right now I think the best emu server out there is Legends. I think Legends is really good. Is Have you heard right? of Legends? Uh, yeah, I haven't played it though. Yeah, yeah. Legends is, like ironically enough, Legends is a, is a NGE emulator. Mm. Um, but it's a lot easier to get into it and have some fun with it because it's got all the content from the uh-huh. NGE. So yeah. it's like it's it's pretty content complete. Where the emu, um, it's it's still very difficult to get Jedi, you know, and oh, it yeah. takes a very 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 long time. But I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, People, it's absolutely- I remember we would be like in a city and there was a person that ran by in Jedi robes and we just stopped and we're like, oh my god, it's a yeah. Jedi. And then, then there were bounty hunters after him. Like, right. oh my god, this is amazing! I can't believe we're seeing this. And like you know, the first time I unlocked Jedi. Um, you know, the people that were grinding with me, uh, and we always used to grind on Dantooine, um, you know, like they had their little speeders out and little macros set up so that when you heard that, and like you started seeing that little bounty hunter, because if, like uh, in the game, if somebody, if another human character saw you playing your Jedi, you would show up on, on the, bounty hunter terminals. Yeah, you would show up on the bounty hunter terminals. So there was people coming after you all the time. And every time you got killed, in the CU, at least, which is where it is, is, is where it, when I unlocked, you lost two hundred and fifty thousand XP every time you nice. you died. In the pre CU, in the, the permadeath, permadeath, dead. Yeah. So it took you yeah. five months to what do you unlock. Mean, like you lost all of your everything. No. Yeah. So it took you yeah. five you lost months. Lost the character. Yeah, yeah. You lost the character. Hardcore. Nice. Yeah. It was. Just, I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be. So to Sam's point, when you saw one. Everybody was like, oh, you oh know. Oh, my God, it's a Jedi. I mean, yeah. and, and not to mention they were also, you might be in the fight of your life with like 10 of your friends getting killed by some giant monsters. And if a Jedi showed up, 
it was done. He'd, he'd save you. He would <laughs> pull some amazing stuff. You're like, right. oh my God, it's a Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Star Wars is incredible. Uh, the the other little thing I've noticed that you know is very interesting to us. You know, we talked about it on the show last time is is that we've seen you that that you're painting uh, small figures. Yeah, Star Wars Legion. Yeah, yeah, so, those look cool. So is that for a game or is that just for it a- is a game? Star Wars Legion is a is a tabletop game. Um, it's kind of like Warhammer, but in Star Wars. And uh, but I've been I've been painting because I used to love doing it when I was younger, and then you don't have time to do it. So then when you have a few weeks that you're like, oh, I I think I have time. I I have dropped everything and have just been obsessively painting up uh, armies and stuff. I've been uh, getting into the whole 3D printing thing. Oh, cool! And and I've been on this project that you know I'm trying to make yeah. a, a chess set out of lightsabers. <laughs> you know, so try to pick the lightsabers that represent, you know, like the dark side and the light side and and like who's the king and who's the queen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's been like, you know, I mean, this is like on the weekends and like every time I print it, it like it breaks. It's just like, you know, printing, printing isn't easy. It's tough. But um, so, uh, you know, Theory uh, yesterday reached out uh, to the fans and we got over 3,000 questions for Sam. Theory, you want to start kicking off some oh, of those so you, questions? That wasn't just you exaggerating. You actually got three. Well, no, no, we got 3,000. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought I, you were I like, yeah, it was like, like three a... million. No, 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 no. We got 3,000 questions. Wow. Cool. Um, yeah, no, I just I posted a video around uh, seven o'clock last night, just saying, "Hey, uh, interviewing Sam Whitworth tomorrow. Ask your questions below." And yeah, I think there's like thirty five hundred in that time already. Um, yeah, so you're you're you got a lot of fans, man. That's neat. Yeah, man, you um, have a lot of fans in us as well, man. So thank you for doing thank this you. once again. And and also before I forget, I know you have a Twitch. So do you want to shout that now? And Please. I'll put the description of it, yeah. uh, the link in the description below. I think my Twitch name is. Uh, Creatively enough, Sam Whitwer. I think it's that. <laughs> Same with my uh, Twitter. It's at Sam Whitwer. So, and then, and then, now here's a tricky one. My my Instagram, which I'm I don't really use, but it's at s Whitwer one. Yeah. And there's a lot of pictures of dogs. My dogs, the best dogs. Cool. So, cool. Yeah. What kind of dogs? <laughs> um, I have an American bulldog, half American bulldog boxer mix of all kinds of other dogs but half of them is american bulldog and he's like my guard dog uh is it a star wars name no no star trek name oh okay which star trek name leonard his name leonard. is leonard okay yeah um and uh leonard showed up in my backyard in the middle of the night basically oh wow about five years ago five or six years ago he just there was howling and then I met this dog, and he's growling at me, and I was swearing at him, and I'd opened the gate, and I said, get the hell out, and he never, he, he never left. Right, and right. and I, I kind of fell in love with him. And then, um, and then a few years after that, about three years ago, or three, yeah, three years ago, uh, a little pit bull oh, showed nice. up uh, and who needed a foster home. So I was a, very, I was a huge fool. I was like, yeah, I'll, I can foster a pit bull. Leonard likes dogs. And uh, I've been fostering him for three years now. I... I, I <laughs> I will foster him <laughs> until the end. <laughs> and him and Leonard have those classic oh, Kirk, great. Le- like Leonard Nimoy fights in the desert. We sort of, yeah. Buster is the um, Buster's named after Buster Crab. Um, we're talking Flash Gordon because Buster's like a man of action. If you ever watch the old Flash Gordon serials from the '30s, mm. uh, Buster Crab, you know, it's wonderful. And this is the stuff that's this is Star Wars related because this is the stuff that George Lucas based Star Wars on. So. Mm-hmm. You know, you had this scene where, uh, <laughs> like, Buster Crab, I think he, like, takes a sword 
And he's trying to get, you know, figure out where someone is. He's like, tell me where they are. And Ming, one of Ming's men is like, I will never tell you where they are. And then he just drops the sword and starts strangling the guy. And you're like, wow, that is a man of action. That is a man of the 30s. That is, that is a pre-World War I level of violence that we have not, or I'm pre-World War II, rather. Um, but yeah, he, so Buster, my, my dog Buster is the comic relief. So that's your he's dog. He's a man of action. He's crazy. Right. So he's Buster. And then Leonard is a little bit more considered. He's a little bit more cerebral, like Mr. Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> so That's cool. Yeah. Um, do you want to start shooting off some questions, Theory? Yeah, man, sure. Uh, this one's from Andrew. He says, not a Star Wars question. This is a Walking Dead question. How was filming your 10-second cameo as a zombie in season one? The filming was great. Um, Darabont's a buddy of mine, and everyone was really, really fun. Greg Nicotero himself applied my makeup, who's also a friend, but I'm also a fan of his. So it's like, oh, my God, I'm being made into a zombie by Greg Nicotero. This is amazing. So it was really fun. Andy Lincoln was was really sweet. And that was supposed to be a setup for something we were going to do later, a prequel that we were going to do later that did not happen. Oh. Um, yeah, there's a whole story. If you, if, you, if you search me and Walking Dead on YouTube, or indeed if you search Frank Darabont, Walking Dead, and Sam Witwer, you'll, you'll find a whole long story about it. But uh, where I get to blacklist myself with AMC as I call bullshit on them. Sorry, I didn't mean to swear. As I call bull on them uh, for for their treatment of Frank Darabont. Um, but in any case, it was a really really fun experience. The hardest thing about it, the most difficult thing about it, was trying to trying to convince the hair department lady to not just basically shave all my hair off because you're like, well, she's you're a soldier, so I'm just gonna take your hair off. I'm like, okay, wait, you can't because. I'm about to go do my own show. And so from her perspective, she's hearing basically an extra say, I have my own show. You can't cut my hair. And so she's cutting my hair going, yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. And I'm, I'm getting angry with her because I'm like, dude, I no, I need to go shoot this in like two or three weeks. I can't grow my hair back in that, fa-, you know. And so I had to have a big argument with her. And it happens to me a lot when I, whenever I do anyone a favor to show up on a show or something. I'm always like... You like I, you know it's, this there was this one movie where I was like, hey, um, so listen, I I would love to have a uh, black eye and a this and that blah blah, and they're like, who are you? And I'm like, well, I'm I'm so and so's friend. Well, no, you're not. I'm like, give me the black eye. I already cleared it with him, and it, I mean, it has to, and it gets really contentious and uncomfortable, and then eventually, one of the producers comes and goes, no, 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 that is he's telling the truth, you know. So in the case of this, I had to get corroboration from someone to the walking dead hair person that I was in fact <laughs> a friend of Frank's and that I was, I did actually have a needed to be somewhere in three weeks and needed to have hair. So if you watch being human episode one and two, uh, you'll see that my hair is very short. It's, I, it's, it's pretty short. It's shorter than it is in, in most of the series. And now we know why. And if people are wondering which episode he's in, I think you're in the first, first. episode in the tank. Yeah. Is that the first episode? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So next question from Leonardo da Vinci. He says, what was the hardest scene to act on at an emotional level in any Star Wars work? Well, all of it is hard because... Um, we don't ever want to disappoint people like you. <laughs> we don't want to make the fans angry. So the mall stuff in the cave was hard, uh, especially since it was not specified what 
he was going to say in that cave when he was had the spider legs and you're kind of answering the, the next question here too. <laughs> yeah oh well then I'll, I'll save that there was one i'll go to something different um when we were doing Force Unleashed 2, Starkiller goes on kind of a terror and he's screaming, where is she? And stuff like that. And I was uh, recovering from um, uh, like a, a surgery. So um, mm. so I could feel my stitches every time I screamed, where is she? Mm. I could feel my stitches going, I'm going to I'm gonna break open, man. I'm going to hurt you. So that, that was great. That was fun. You know, for, <laughs> for me, um, and, um, you know, I'm a huge Clone Wars fan. You know, I... I can watch the Clone Wars whenever, you know, and and, and I think especially being a Star uh, a Star Wars Galaxies fan, the whole Dathomir storyline, yeah. um, you know, that that eventually ties into the Darth Maul storyline is 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 amazing. But for me, in actually in Rebels, um, is is some of my favorite Darth Maul stuff, you know, because like you really feel that kind of conflict inside Ezra of having Kanan and Maul kind of tugging at him. <laughs> um, so, you know, and obviously Twin Twin Sons for me is one of the is one of the coolest episodes. Um, you know, when when you were doing that, that did you, were you were you working off somebody or were you just rolling pretty much by yourself Stephen in the booth? Stanton. Stephen Stanton was there. Stephen Stanton was there doing a perfect delicateness. So that part wasn't difficult. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. Imagine yeah. that character. Um, he was the, really originally there just to to mark the lines and and read off of, and it, it, he wasn't necessarily going to get that part. There was going to, I mean, there were a lot of ideas and there was a possibility of some auditions and stuff like that. And the moment he just started talking, everyone looked at each other and were like, and, and there was also argument of like, should it be more of a you and Obi-Wan? Should it be well, Alec And so he showed up just kindly to read off me. Mm. And oh, then, really? And then, so, so that's how he got in there. Yeah. And then he read it so well. I remember looking at Dave <laughs> and then... Steven Santon did his performance and then he left going, oh, okay, nice. See you guys. All very yeah. humble. And he leaves and then I go over to Dave. I'm like, so that's the guy, right? Like, we're just <laughs> going to use that. You just recorded it. It's done. You finished it. We're done. You know, and, he, awesome. and, he, and we had this, I remember having a talk with, with him and I'm like, you know, why, you know what? I'm trying to think if I should even say a few things because there's some, there's some provocative things that I could no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get in trouble. Um, but, do it. But the, <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, there, was, uh, there was definitely, I remember saying to him, I'm like, you know, I think at this point we know it has to be the Alec Guinness mm. character. I think also timeline-wise it's more appropriate, but like it's, but Stephen Stanton just did it. And Dave was like, yeah, it's, it's better for the story, right? I'm like, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it's like, so. I was, you know, I'm a big fan of of, of highly elaborate, uh, you know, lightsaber fights, um, you know, and, and in the Clone Wars, you know, there's great scenes between, you know, Maul, his brother and the Emperor having yeah. massive lightsaber fights. But the elegance of the lightsaber fight on in, in the Twin Suns episode was completely satisfying. There's uh, what's great about it is every little shot, every little setup moment is a chess piece move um, by, you know, even Obi-Wan going for the different ready positions mm. you know the thing that i've been saying for years is it's you know it's almost like when you bump into the high school bully but you know you're like you're 30 now mm. but you bump into the high school bully you suddenly become 14 again and you become petty and petulant and angry and you're not you know what i mean like you've un it's unresolved stuff mm. and you haven't seen this person since high school you know it's the same thing with obi-wan and right. maul is like this grudge that goes way way back so you know when obi-wan when maul does his thing the first thing Obi-Wan does is he does this, you know, sort of his kid self. He turns into Ewan McGregor for a second 
and then takes a breath and goes, oh, no, 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 that was the mistake. That's the guy that fought in the war. We learned that was not the way to go. Mistakes were made back then. I'm actually Ben Kenobi, you know, and he goes to the Alec Guinness pose. And then he's like, let's see if this, see if I can play the same trick on Maul. And then he assumes the Qui-Gon Jinn pose, thus cueing Maul up, who's still 14-year-old high school guy, bully, whatever, mm. cues Maul up to try the same move that he tried on Qui-Gon. I mean, it's a very interesting interplay between the two. You're like, move, counter move, move, psychological game, psychological game. And, uh, and it all has to do with a huge misunderstanding on the part of, uh, on the part of Maul. Not, he does not get what he's looking at. He doesn't understand it until he gets, until he gets hit by the lightsaber. Then he's like, you know, because he sees this guy and he's like, he's a old desert rat, he's nothing, and it's time to end this finally. There were many times I could have ended it. There were times where I tried to end it but didn't. There are times I've hurt this person, you know, um, and there are times that he's hurt me, but it's time to put this away because this was, when I was cut in half, this was the last time, it's the last time that Maul, that life made sense. And ever since then, it's been spiraling out of control in this weird cycle, you know, um, of of uh, rises and falls in this guy's life, so finally he sees this pathetic creature in the middle of the desert and says, "It's time to it's time to finish this and in a weird way move on with my life. This is the hope that I have that I can put myself together and I'm going to kill this guy and move on." And he completely misreads it. And the moment he, the lightsaber hits him, he goes, "Oh, this is not a desert rat. This is a Jedi Master. He's he's not even a you know he's a Jedi Master on guard duty. Mm-hmm. And if he's this good." This is the most important guard post in the galaxy. And he puts it together. He's like, I, oh my, I understand how you survived. I understand what you're doing out here. I even understand partially who or what you are guarding. And then he maybe misses the point. Finally, he's going to revenge us. You know? <laughs> so close. So yeah. close. And to- then, um, just, just to put a little button on that, mm-hmm. you know, the visual of... Obi-Wan holding uh, Maul. It's like reminiscent of Michelangelo's Pieta. I mean, it's on some high art shit. Well, we've you also think seen, Maul was redeemed? Well, we've also bit. seen that that he held uh, Satine the same way. He held Qui-Gon Jinn the same way. Mm. It sort of right. shows what kind of a guy he is, is that the enemy, the guy who killed those two people, gets the same treatment that they do when he dies, mm. which is, shows who Obi-Wan is. Yeah, know? that's brilliant. So what were you saying? I'm sorry. Uh, do you think Maul was a little bit redeemed in the end there? That is not for me to say. <laughs> I, I have right. my opinions about that, but I, I think that um, because there was more dialogue there originally that we did. There was more dialogue that we recorded, and a lot of it was mm-hmm. taken out. And I think that was a good good call. It's interesting, I think, that there are so many people, it's like Dave says, that some of the fans, everyone cares about it for sure, but the fans... Yeah need to take care to not become Sith, to not become so absolute in their thinking, to not, to not think that it has to, it's this way, it's that way, and it has to stay that way forever. And it Star Wars fans? No. Yeah, it's a very... So, <laughs> so it's interesting. If, if we had released the story reels with all of the dialogue at Maul's death, I mean, there would surely be fans who were like, well, but that was the original vision. Be like, it's not the original vision until it comes out, guys. It's, you know right. what I mean? It's, right. you know, there, these yeah. things change and evolve. And I happened to, when I saw wh- how it was evolving, I was absolutely in, I was absolutely in support of stripping out the dialogue at Maul's death because it let the fans interpret it more. It put it more in the fans' hands in terms of exactly what you're asking. Is Maul redeemed? Is he not? 
does he does he understand now? Is he missing the point? Is he you know it's it's really up open to interpretation. The dialogue made it a little bit more explicit. So I know what right. we were intending to do, but we we turned away from that. So you know it's 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 an interesting thing, especially with the new Clone Wars and. There had been story reels that were released for the Bad Batch, and and that's mm-hmm. changed, you know, since yeah. then. And it's it's interesting to see how some fans, they, again, they they're they're turning to the dark side because they're they're sniffing out these, they're they're finding conspiracies where there are none, where it's literally, for example, this whole thing about Padme nose art on a gunship. Um, mm-hmm. That scene does not build off the new scene with Padme and Anakin, and the Padme and Anakin scene does not build off the nose art scene. You know, when you see them together in the cut, you're like, one's got to go because you have this much time in the episode and you have to create an impression that propels you forward in the story. And when you have 12 episodes to lead to our finale, which is a very, (laughs) very eventful, very epic, huge, huge, huge finale with very specific story points, you can't have two points about Padme that undercut each other. It's Mm got to be one or the other with with a definite... Uh, color that brings right. you through, that gives you momentum in a, in, a, in a direction, in a direction that brings Anakin into Revenge of the Sith, not not a non sequitur about nose art. Now, if we had two, three seasons, you could put the nose art in another episode, it'd be fine. You know what I mean? Because it's, yeah. it's a really funny scene. It's cute. They came right. up with both scenes. But ultimately, they don't build on each other. The, the example I give is... Um, the scene with Luke constructing his lightsaber in Return of the Jedi and Vader calling out to him. And you get the yeah. feeling, you get the story of like, oh my God, ever since the Empire Strikes Back, the Empire, Vader's been calling out in the Force and Luke has been trying to purge that from his mind and he's building a lightsaber. It's an amazing scene. It's an amazing moment. Yeah. But it's yeah. not right for the movie. Because right. if you knew he had a lightsaber, then there's no drama when he gets the lightsaber on the skiff and mm. fights it on Jabba's barge. There's no mm. drama there. You know, like the, the whole thing of grabbing the lightsaber and lighting up, it's green, which tells the whole story and tells it at the right time. Mm-hmm. That's what you do, and that's what filmmaking is. That's what TV shows are. I mean, I could show you guys cuts of... I have old cuts of Battlestar Galactica. I have old scripts. I have old cuts of Being Human episodes, and there are wonderful moments... And sometimes they're great, but then when you see them back to back with other moments, you're like, these two moments actually undercut each other. We got to pick one, and you cut a scene. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's funny to me though that the fans, their own, you know, some of them, not not obviously not all of them. Star Wars fans are very sweet, but there are people whose own their own anger, agendas. Um, they're, yeah. they're 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 whatever is going on in their life is being channeled. Mm-hmm hardcore into these things and they're seeing conspiracies and censorship where there just isn't any it's just the filmmaking process and they're getting what what i would love is for people to, to look at that filmmaking process and become interested by it and be like man i'd like to do that you know rather than that's the you know that's the way it was and they're changing the intent be like dude it's not the intent until it comes out right and right. and if you don't understand that these two moments undercut each other Maybe that's why you have a different job and Dave has that job. Maybe, and, and you're probably better at your job than, than Dave is at that job, but he's actually better at you, better than you at storytelling. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. For me, it was obvious. I'm like, you can't have both. It's moments. like, you know, actually, exactly what you're saying is the way that the universe works. You know, there's, you know, we call it the wave function, right? The wave function of probability. There's a million things, but only one can be real right. once, once it's It's the, the, the multiverse, right? Yeah, and yeah. and it's the most fascinating thing about film and television and making these stories is that talent 
isn't isn't 2020 hindsight. It isn't um, you know people making a YouTube video about how how Phantom Menace could have been better. That's no talent. There's no talent involved there because you're seeing a finished product, and then you're saying, well, it would have been better if you nudged this or did that or did that. Talent is being on a set. There's money being burned. There's time being spent, and you have a limited amount of time. And you're you're going. The train is moving, and making more right calls than wrong calls when you're on the set. Mm. That's what talent is. You know, the, the actors, the directors, the producers that I've seen that pull off those moments. And you think it's so clear when you see the movie. It's got music in. It's got effects. It's all clear what it's supposed to be. But it's never clear when you're doing it. It's never clear when you're making it. When you're making it, you're making the best calls you can make. And if you can make more good calls than bad calls, guess what? You're talented. You're good at this. Yeah. Um, but it's very funny. I've, I've definitely worked with people who were, you know, huge on uh, critiquing certain movies and say, oh, they shouldn't have done that. Or they I'm guilty have done of this. that myself. I, I've worked with those people, and the moment you start writing something with them or you start working on the set, and you, and you notice, oh, they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> right. You're good at yeah. critiquing a final product, but you don't know when you're in the middle of this, your instincts are no, no better honed than anyone's. And it's only experience in doing that that makes you better at making the right calls versus the wrong. I mean, when you work with less experienced directors, it's funny because they're so white-knuckled and they're so afraid that they're going to make the wrong call that when you make a suggestion to them, they're like, no, no. Then you work with someone like Dave Filoni, who's more experienced, and you go, Dave, I think Maul should say this, this, and this. And he goes, yeah, because you think that Maul's about that, and it's all about your ego, isn't it, Sam? <laughs> but we can try it. Okay, we can try it. And then we do it, and he's like, ah, okay, well, maybe a little Sith is going to make it in there after all. You never know. You know, and then you find, you know, but that's the collaboration magic. He'll give you crap for it, but then he will hear you out. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were some things in the finale that there was a whole thing that I pitched. I, I can't talk about it yet, but there's a whole thing in the finale, very, very important moment. And I'm like, there's something bumping me about that. And I couldn't describe why, because why the time, time is rolling. The train has left the station. Mm. We're all trying to get this done and we don't have time. And I'm like, and I, I got a hold of Dave a day or two before. And I'm like, it's bumping me. I don't know why. And he's like, you're overthinking it. But then, two days later, we're recording it, and he goes, oh, wow, I'm so glad you... I was like, like, there's something there. Yeah, yeah, it is bumping. What if it's this, he says. Mm. And it was like a brilliant suggestion. He came up with a brilliant solution. I'm like, that's it. And I didn't know why. It was an instinct in the back of my head. Something's not right about that. It could be better. And then Dave nailed it on the day. And that's talent. Nailing it on the day is talent. It's kind of like, you know, you can sing as well as you want in the shower, but then you get in front of an audience. Can you do it? Maybe not. Yeah. yeah. You know. So look, unfortunately, we are also pressed for time. Sorry. sorry. You know, but yeah. man, this has been amazing. I feel like we were just um, getting started. I have one last question for you about, about the DC Universe All-Star Games. But before I get to that, hopefully, maybe you can find it in your schedule to come back after the Clone Wars finale wraps and we can yeah, chat some fun. more. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, we only got to two questions. So sorry right. of the 3,000. Well, no, I think yeah, 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 we'll yeah. save it for the next What is it? Wait, 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 wait. The, the, the delegation of the 3,000, that should be enough for your committee. <laughs> is that what he says in the deleted scene? When he tells Padme to go? I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, that's he, like... Where, like, where they're, they're that standing in his enough. office and, and she's yeah. wearing that, that interesting outfit. There were those, there's another thing. Those okay. scenes with the delegation that, that were against the war that were trying to talk to Palpatine, great scenes, yeah. love them. 
they don't belong in the movie, but they're great scenes. Right, right. Great pieces of Star Wars lore, but yeah. you have to make those decisions. Like, like, uh, okay, so look, um, because I know I'm getting, uh, you know, I'm getting pressed for time here, and I know you have a very busy schedule. If, if folks wanted to get into this whole DC universe, DC heroes, RPG thing to explore what you do, telling stories, playing with your friends, how would you recommend they go about doing it? If they want to just get into RPGs and stuff like that, just, yeah. just do it. Just do it. Just get get anything. It doesn't really matter what the game is. All that matters is that the people around the table are working together to tell a cool story and to make sure that everyone has fun. Traditionally, sometimes game masters, dungeon masters, whatever, they feel a great sense of responsibility of like, oh, I've got to entertain everyone at the table. And they do. But the good players know that it's also the player's job to make sure everyone is having fun as well, that everyone is engaging each other in the best possible spirit and they're encouraging you know and they're being positive when you have that group of players it can't go wrong so get a you know get an old copy of dc heroes or you know get a you know dungeon dragons fifth edition get the ffg star wars role-playing game mm. um and just do it and the rules if you get them wrong who cares the rules are there to suggest story um story has to win so Theory, you have any last words for the great Sam Whitwer? I have many last words, but we're out of time. So I just want to say thanks so much for being on the show, man. Really appreciate you being here. And uh, thanks, everyone, for watching. And uh, rise, my friends. Rise, my friend. 